This is The Bittersweet Life, a show for expats, former expats, travel lovers, and people who dream about moving far away someday. I'm Katie Sewell, a recent repatriate to Seattle in the United States after a year in Rome. My co-host is Tiffany Parks, an expat who spent the last 10 years in Rome. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to join us for the whole journey by beginning with episode one. If you're really interested in today's theme, however, back up to the beginning afterwards. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, what are we talking about, Tiffany? Politics. The dreaded topic of politics. Isn't this what we're not supposed to talk about? Politics and religion? Yeah, I think so. And we'll, ta- we'll tackle religion next week. Uh- <laughs> yeah, right. There we go. <laughs> I had this thought. Of course, we all know big U.S. elections looming. Yeah. And this is my first year as an Italian citizen as well. So I'm voting for the first time in Italy as well. Yeah. And as I discuss issues, political issues with my husband, we're voting for the mayor of Rome at the moment. So we're discussing some different issues about who the best candidate might be, you know, and as I talk to him also about American politics, of which I have very, very strong opinions. (laughs) Who doesn't? (laughs) Exactly. I've realized that my political stance is very different, depending on which country I'm talking about. Oh, interesting. It's not that I've become an expat, and so now my politics have changed and I see things differently. That's not what I mean. What I mean is actually, in America, I think one way in regarding to American politics, and in Italy, I think it, I wouldn't say a totally different way, but I'm definitely, it's definitely different. Okay, so as far as American politics, I'm sure you're all going to be shocked to discover that I'm, I'm liberal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, To be honest, I'll just put it out there. I was a big Bernie Sanders supporter. I really liked him. Hillary is now the the presumptive nominee. I held out hope for a long time for good old Bernie, but uh, it wasn't happening. So that's just to say, you know, without talking about getting into, you know, a discussion actually about the candidates in the U.S., don't really feel like doing that right now. But that is to say, I'm quite progressive in the U.S., and I'm quite liberal and not 100%, because I definitely do look at, I try at least to look at the issues head on. And some issues I, I take a more conservative stance on. But for the whole, or on the whole, I'm, I'm much more liberal. I'm very pro-immigration re- reform and, uh, and things like that. Whereas in Italy, I have discovered that my politics are much more conservative. How so? Well, first, let me tell you why, well, why I think it is. Okay. And, I've, and I've done, actually, I've done a lot of thinking about this to like figure out why. The United States and Italy are kind of two extremes, two political extremes, I think. And I think that the United States is like a very extremely, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's a very punitive place. People get punished in very, very harsh ways for things that they do wrong. 
like, for example, minor drug offenses, you know, people can go to prison for, you know, I don't know, 20 years, things like that. And this isn't punitive by law, but it's punitive by, I don't know how you would describe it, but if somebody comes into your house, someone breaks into your house and you happen to have a gun, you can shoot them and kill them. And you can do that and they will, they will die for doing that. And I'm not saying that that's wrong because I think that, let's just say it's extreme. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's extreme. On the other hand, in Italy, people get arrested for very, very major crimes and they often serve no jail time at all. If you get convicted of a crime and it's the first time you've ever been convicted, even if, you, you're, even if the court gives you a jail sentence, let's say of five years, you won't serve that time. You simply won't serve it. You don't have to go to jail. And people who are in jail often are let out of jail simply because there's not enough room in the jails. So there's a lot of serious criminals who are completely free. And it's well known. People doing really bad things. I'm not talking about really minor things. Like people who do bad, bad things. Like let's just say, for example, the people who organize the immigrant boats, you know, and who take advantage of immigrants and risk their lives, a lot of them end up drowning. The people who are organizing this often, you know, don't suffer any consequences for it. And they've gone on record saying, we always go to Italy because we won't be punished there. We'll get away with it. It's a country that just doesn't punish criminals for the most part. And if someone breaks into your house, somebody can break into your house and they can be doing whatever. You know, I don't want to get into graphic details, but let's just say someone breaks into your house and goes into your teenage daughter's bedroom and starts doing something heinous and you happen to have a gun, you can't do anything. You can't shoot them. You can't stop them. You can't put your hands on them. So these two extreme ways of being have made me into someone who, you know, in the United States, I'm very like pro-gun control. I'm very pro, you know, I don't like guns. I don't, I would never own a gun. I, the state of the gun laws in the United States make me kind of sick. But here, man, we should be able to protect ourselves. How come we can't protect ourselves, you know? You guys need some guns. Yeah, and I'm not saying that. I actually don't think we should have guns here. Claudia always says, the reason that Italy doesn't have the kind of violence, because I always say, you know, he's always like, oh, you know, be careful, be careful, because this is a violent city. And I always say, it's not anywhere near as violent as the United States. And he's like, well, if we had the gun laws you have, it would be way worse. It would be way worse. Well, you come from a history of dueling in the streets. I'm not saying that I think that Oh, yes, let's get some guns in, in Italy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I think here, I feel like this country needs a little bit harsher penalties for things. It needs, it needs a heavy hand. This country really needs a conservative leader who's going to uh, lay down the law. I mean, this city, it's, it's like lawless, I feel. I really feel like, and it's, it's, it's ironic because this country has so many laws. Like, literally, there are more laws on the books in this country than, like, any other country in Europe or, you know, it's like, it's like a joke. There's so many, so many laws, but yet maybe because of that, they're not enforced. It really feels like a lawless place. A lot of the time, you know, people can do whatever they want. People can litter. No one stops them. People can hit and run. No one stops them. People park in horrible, horrible ways that they shouldn't be parking in and they never get tickets. It just feels like there's nobody enforcing the law. Are there any laws in Italy that are strictly enforced? Maybe there are, uh, but it feels like there aren't. It really feels like there aren't. Um, mm -hmm. People can evade their taxes. 
here's an example. Right now I'm studying to, um, to get my Italian driver's license. Okay. And I have the book here and it's like 500 pages. You would not believe how many rules there are, how like specific it is. I did the, my driver's test in the United States when I was 16, like a lot of people. And you know, I mean, it's it's the easiest thing in the world. It's just easy. You've got to know the basic things like speed limit and in signs and basic laws, and that's it. And you get your driver's license and you're good. Whereas here, there's all these rules and it's so nitpicky and it's so specific and it's so, it's so ridiculous. But yet, on the, ironically, people drive like crap here. And people in the United States drive really well. It's because we get tickets. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's the reason. Because in the United States, you get tickets. And in here, you don't. I was thinking about that yesterday, actually, because I was walking downtown Seattle. And there were no cars coming. And there were about 15 people waiting on the corner to cross. <laughs> and no one was crossing. <laughs> and no one was crossing. And, and I, having lived in a foreign country, maybe, or like been in other cities just decided I'm going. And some people looked at me like I was out of my mind. And part of the reason for that is that people do get tickets for jaywalking. Right. Which is the most ridiculous reason you can get a ticket, I think, in the world. <laughs> really. It's like you safely crossed the street when no cars were coming and that was not allowed. Well, see, but here's the thing. I, and maybe this is because I'm an expat. I see things from both sides of it now. I see the idea that, okay, a jaywalk, person who jaywalks actually risks causing an accident. If they're jaywalking in a, not obviously the situation you were talking about, but let's say they're jaywalking on a busy street and somebody swerves to avoid them or breaks and it could cause an accident. That jaywalker should, in a sense, really be punished for that. But on the other hand, I see it, I see it from the other point of view as well. The, what you're saying is like, this is ridiculous. There's no one coming. Just go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's even, there was even some funny story about, I forget who said it. It might have been some writer or comedian that was talking about Seattle and how they were out at something like two in the morning and somebody was standing on the corner waiting for the walk sign. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's not even a car out you know and and they're just standing there waiting and you have to think what kind of a city is that where they're so paralyzed that they won't even cross in the middle of the night is it that they're paralyzed or that they respect the law i don't know i'd have to do a poll they respect the rules i mean i think that there is a happy medium between between the two extremes of the u.s and and italy because in italy it's like not only do you not respect the law, it's like you almost go around, you know, you go out of your way to break the law <laughs> yeah. sometimes, you know? So liberating, Tiffany. You have to think about it differently. <laughs> I don't know. I don't find it liberating to fear for my life when I'm crossing on a crosswalk. True. I know that if there's a car that stops for me as I'm crossing the crosswalk, there could easily be another car zooming around them to try to avoid stopping and they're not seeing me because there's a car stop for me and so I have to be really careful when I do something like crossing a crosswalk even if the light is green green for me I have to be really careful because sometimes there's someone turning right and they could hit me like on our favorite crossing right by right between our two apartments that was really dangerous is really dangerous yeah in the states at least in a city like Seattle you're like I know that if I'm on the crosswalk people are going to stop for me not only are they going to stop for me they're going to wait until I'm on the other side, when I'm actually on the sidewalk again, until they go. And there's something really nice about that. Well, and you guys, 
have that wonderful thing that happens. There's a crosswalk on the way from Trastevere to Testaccio where you get a walk sign at the same time the people get a, a green arrow to turn right, like right into yeah. you. <laughs> you're just like who planned this this is just i know it's so funny it's so funny you know that same thing though i i have a terrible story to share that same thing though about people stopping and beckoning you out into the crosswalk happens here where the cars swerve around to pass that person because they can't tell why they're stopped Mm -hmm. just about four weeks ago the host of my show when I was on NPR, Steve Scher, was riding his bike across an intersection like that where all the cars were stopped and they waved him through. And a car did that angry swerve around them <sighs> and ran straight into him. Oh, my God. Serious accident into the windshield. <gasps> thought he was going to die. Like He said his last thought when he looked over and saw that car as he just said, that car is not going to be able to stop. Broken ribs, broken shoulder, broken arm, destroyed nose. His nose got completely oh no. eradicated. They reconstructed it. But um, <sighs> but yeah, and he's been wildly positive, I think, because he's just happy to be alive. It does happen here still, that same thing. We have a lot of road rage here, too. I don't know if that comes from there being so many laws or just that there's so much traffic that we're dependent upon our cars to get around. Mm-hmm. So we spend a lot of time in the car and very little time on public transit reading a book. So <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of road rage. And I think because of that, we have a lot of bike accidents, like a ton of bike accidents. So yeah, that story just brought everything down. I've been <laughs> <laughs> i've been thinking i should actually go interview steve for this show it might be kind of interesting particularly now that he has a new appreciation for life yeah you should i i'm i'm so sorry to hear that he was hurt that's that's like my daily fear you know especially when i rode a bike i don't ride a bike in rome anymore yeah that was a a fear that i always had being hit by a car i mean i was hit by a car actually once but it was very 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 minor yeah and i wasn't actually injured much i hardly counted but back to politics back to politics here's another interesting thing american politics in italy are seen okay how do i put this in italy barack obama is considered his politics are considered centrist they're not considered liberal hillary clinton her views her politics are not seen as liberal in italy it's if anything she is slightly to the right of center if you look at like her voting record, just for example, it's right of center. Bernie Sanders is left. He's clearly a liberal, but he's not an extreme liberal in Italy. That's like like average liberal. And this skews kind of my views as well. A lot of people in Italy who are conservative or at least slightly conservative, they look at American politics and they love Barack Obama. He's wonderful. He's great. And they wouldn't consider themselves liberal, but yet they agree with his politics. Well, he's a very rational man, and he also has swagger, style, you know. That's true. He's That's cool. True. But I don't even think it's about that. I think it's more about things that in the United States are considered very progressive, like free health care, free university education. These things are considered absolutely normal in Italy. They're not considered either 
conservative or liberal. They're just the facts of life. They're just the way things are. Basic human rights. It's like, obviously, elementary school is going to be free, right? I mean, you wouldn't say to a, a six-year-old, oh, your parents don't have the money to send you to private school. You don't get to go to school, right? The way that we see elementary school and high school is the way that they see university. It's like, well, of course it's free. Yeah, Why right. it wouldn't be right? I mean, yes, okay, it's not 100% free. You have to pay a little bit. It's not like debilitating. Yeah, like it's it a is. human right. It's just a human right. Yeah, and the same with, uh, with universal health care. And so those issues are not buzzer issues here. They're just normal. So what would be considered very conservative or very liberal there? Well, it's funny that you ask because here, extreme... Well, the extreme conservatives of Italy are the fascist party. Yeah. Still exists. There's still a fascist party Mm -hmm. who believe in absolutely zero immigration. They don't want to have any foreigners of any kind. Think Mussolini. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of a leader. I mean, without all of the the Nazism thrown in. I'm not going to defend the Italian fascist party, but I don't think that they're as evil as the fascists that we had back in the day. And then the extreme liberals are the communist party. And I mean, it's not like they hide behind a different name. They're, they're communists. They're not shy about it. That's, yeah, the Communist Party. They're called the Communist Party. So yeah, I think maybe that's it. Italy, the, the extreme, the, poli- the politics are so extreme. You have such an extreme right and such an extreme left that in Italy, it's just funny because I look at Hillary Clinton. He just doesn't even seem like a Democrat at all. It just doesn't seem like she's liberal. Let's not talk about Trump because that's just, let's just not. Um, But let's say another random Republican candidate who, yes, okay, definitely Republican, but not fascist, you know? So it's just, I think that as extreme as American politics seem, sometimes when you're in America, they're nothing compared to how extreme they are over here. You've become a centrist. Basically. In Italy, I'm a centrist. In America, I'm, I'm a progressive. I'm very liberal in America. And here, I'm, I'm definitely not communist. Does uh, you not being a communist, so to speak, <laughs> have to do anything with your American background and how, how bad we were taught communism was when we were kids? Probably a little bit gets in there because I think you can't really escape that kind of conditioning. But I definitely think that I'm not afraid of the word socialism, democratic socialism, I mean, that's what I'm living right now. Italy is more or less a, a socialist democracy. Right. I've seen it around the world, how successful it can be in other countries like Canada and the UK and Germany. So I would, I would say here, I mean, I'm definitely not a really far le- left. I'm, I'm more to the center, I would say. If the Communist Party called themselves the let's just all work together party, <laughs> would you? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to look into it. I have to look and see really what, what kind of things they're proposing. Right. <laughs> Can I ask you, I know we don't want to talk about Donald Trump, but I have to ask one thing about Donald Trump. Do you know what Italians think about Donald Trump? They think he's a buffone. Buffone. Like, they just think he's a joke. Absolute joke. They they can't believe it. They're like, like my father-in-law, you'd be like, I can't believe it. Trump looks like Trump. Everyone's saying that Trump is going to win the, the Republican nomination. How is this possible? How is this possible? And, I, and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I try to explain it, but I don't know myself, so I, I have no other thing to say. My sister-in-law, my 14-year-old sister-in-law said the other night, because, you know, in Italy, in the world, we hear about you know, American politics, whereas when you're in America, you don't hear about the politics <laughs> of any other truth. country. You just hear about your own country's politics. Um, but here, of course, American politics matter, you know, on a world scale. So my sister-in-law said, so everyone says that this guy can't be elected. What is it about him? What is it about him that's so crazy? Because she just doesn't know. 
And I found myself trying to explain Donald Trump to her. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> where did you begin? Do you remember? Um, I was like, you know, you know, Berlusconi. <laughs> no, because he actually is a lot like Silvio Berlusconi in a sense. Yeah. Super rich, a laughing stock, a joke, really. Very corrupt and a criminal, really. I mean, I don't think that Donald Trump is not, I don't believe, but a convicted criminal like Berlusconi is. But this is the same kind of stuff that he would get up to. So, yeah, we kind of have our own version of Trump over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Here's another thing about Berlusconi. He's also like a mega womanizer, has also had multiple wives, always leaving his, you know, wife or a younger model, and has also, you know, said horrible, horrible offensive things about women. Just kind of a misogynist and a chauvinist pig, really. And in the same way that Donald Trump is. And I always used to think, oh, my gosh, someone who says this kind of stuff would never get elected in the U.S. The U.S. is so PC. Women are so, you know, have to be respected. In America, women are respected. Women are treated equally or at least almost. It's like, no, <laughs> clearly not. I was wrong. Yeah, you were wrong. You know the television show The Simpsons. I do know the television show The Simpsons. Okay. <laughs> so many, many, many years ago... Mm -hmm. The Simpsons were doing an episode where Lisa was going to become the president of the United States. Lisa was. Okay. Yeah. In the episode, they were trying to create a situation where the country would be in such a bad state that Lisa would not be able to fix it. And so in creating the episode, they were like, well, how could it end up in such a bad state? And they decided that they would have Donald Trump elected president. <laughs> like a decade ago I read an interview with one of the people who wrote it and they said we were just trying to think of the most outlandish impossible thing that could happen and we settled on Donald Trump being the president and I think that that is still in some ways how some people here are feeling they just are still thinking what in the world like how could it be possible that Donald Trump has a chance of being the president of the United States. I know. It's terrifying. I know. It's terrifying. It is. People always joke, if George Bush gets elected again, I'm moving to Europe or I'm moving to Canada. And now people are literally saying, if Donald Trump gets elected, I'm going to have to move. <laughs> I cannot live in this country. Yeah. I know, because it's it's almost like it's humiliating. It's humiliating. You can't accept that, that that person represents you. It's one thing to have a person of completely different politics represent you. Let's say you're a liberal and Mitt Romney is elected. That sucks for you because you're liberal and he's very conservative and you don't have the same values. And it's annoying, more than annoying, to have someone represent you who is so different from you. But it's, you can deal with it. But when someone is literally a joke... <laughs> when someone is literally dumb and ha is completely unqualified, sorry, I'm not, I'm letting my politics show right now. I shouldn't be, but I am. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, how, how can, anyway. Well, he's also a racist and a narcissist. He's also a racist and a narcissist. He's also sexist and he's also, yeah, he's a, a misogynist. Now to leave the Donald Trump behind, <laughs> at yeah. least for now. Let's leave all of that behind. I know you were not in Rome for tons of time, but while you were, did you feel your, not necessarily 
your attitude towards Italian politics? Because I don't know if you even if that even was on the radar for you. But did you feel your politics in general change at all as you when you were an expat, or did it pretty much stay the same? I would say it pretty much stayed the same. See, it wasn't a change to my politics. It was a change to what I thought was fair. I think that before I was an expat, I would have thought, yeah, our healthcare system isn't ideal, but what can you do? This is the way it is. And now after living in Italy and receiving some of your free health care when I gave myself that concussion, <laughs> I thought to myself more so, why in the world can't we do something like this? Like, why is the United States every man for himself in everything, if you know what I mean? You kind of, you kind of have to live it to be able to believe it's possible I think sometimes especially when people tell you it'll never work it'll never work it's not possible it's not possible it's too expensive it's a pipe dream it's naive you know all these things that they say about they've said about Bernie Sanders ideas it's so impossible to have universal health care and I and I mean truly universal health care not the Affordable Care Act but actual health care that's paid by the government and if it's truly possible to have almost free university and da da da. If it's truly impossible, how is it that Canada does it and that Italy does it and the UK? I mean, Italy, who's like totally disorganized, people evade taxes left and right. I mean, if it, if it works here, <laughs> like it can work anywhere. Yeah, you guys are a mess. I know, <laughs> and we can you do think, it. There was an interesting article that I read about politics recently by Adam Gopnik, who was talking about how if you elect a person like Mussolini or Donald Trump to office, that the country can never really truly recover. It can recover, but it still has this sort of wound on it, maybe a shock in how did we elect a person like that? And so easily, do you know what I mean? Do you think that Italy is still suffering from their past politically? That's a, that's a good I question. I've never thought about that. I've never heard that that idea, but it makes it makes sense. It is possible. However, look at Germany though. I mean, Germany is doing really really well right now. Germany is the strongest country in Europe probably, maybe after the UK. It's very very strong in many ways. I said to Claudio one day, and this is a while ago now, look at the kind of stuff that Germany has been through. Okay? Two major world wars that they lost. Communism and the Cold War and all of that, and look how strong they are right now. And then look at Italy. In Italy, like like their beginnings. Look at everything that Italy had going for it. I mean, if you look really really far back <laughs> to ancient Rome and to the Renaissance and and the kind of amazing foundation that this country has. And look what a mess it is. And Greece the same. Look at Greece. Like look what Greece was built on, as opposed to like what a place like Germany was built on. Yeah, it's just it's surprising. So maybe to wrap up, give us an Aurelio update since he's uh, interjecting himself into this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I want to be on the radio. (laughs) He's going to be. I wonder when he gets talking, if he's going to want to be on this show. We'll see. I think so. I think so. Hopefully we'll be able to keep it going long enough. He's doing well. He's 10 months old. He is very vocal, as as you can tell. His hair is still bright red. His eyes are still bright blue. He's got four teeth, <laughs> and he still doesn't sleep. Bye, <laughs> <laughs> da nonna. Bye, da nonna. Nonna just came in. She's taking him away. 
He's becoming a more of a toddler than a baby now. I know. Don't tell me that. I know. He still has his babiness to him, but yeah, he's still a ch- he's still a little chubster, and he still has a big, real round face. But yeah, I mean, he's he's almost a year old. That's I think when does toddlerhood begin at one or one and a half? I don't know. I haven't a clue. I should know, but I don't know. We'll have to ask somebody who who knows the full arc of parenting when when toddlerhood actually begins a little side note this is kind of an interesting it's not it's nothing related to politics but it it is related to how americans and italians see things differently in america what would you consider a baby no older than two right yeah okay how old is a kid uh like five to 18 ah max i guess max 18 right yes and how how old is like a young adult 18 to 25 yeah 26 25 28 okay in italy a baby and i'm using the word obviously bambino a bambino is really until like about 10 years old wow they use the term neonato which means newborn until about between one and two years old it depends on what you're looking at literally if you go into an airline and you're like booking a ticket and it says it'll say neonato newborn up to two years old in America, neonato is like three months old. No more than three months. Okay. Okay. And kids, I remember one time I saw a flyer and it was like for an acting, an acting school. And it was like uh, bambini, you know, and it had like the age group. And it was like ragazzi, which means kids. And like ragazzi, like the age group was until 33. Wow. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh my okay, gosh. Kids. Wow. And I think young people, I think you can be considered a young person at least until 40. Are we considered young like adults? Young adult still, and, we're still young oh, adults. We're still young adults. We're still young adults because we're not 40 yet. I think that if you were to poll people our age in America, everyone would say, I don't feel like an adult. Or maybe they'd say, I feel like an adult, but they're, they would say, oh, I, I, f- I feel so much younger than I thought 40 was going to be. Yeah. Absolutely. I wonder if that's our, just our generation, though, or if people always have felt like that. I know. It's hard to tell. I, I should ask my parents, because when you're a kid, you look at somebody who's in their 30s or 40s, and you're like, wow, that person's ancient. I know. I know. You're like, their life is over. Yeah. And then when you are actually staring down the barrel at 40, which I <laughs> feel like I am, because <laughs> it's less than a year away, then you think, well... 60 is not that old yeah I know I know it's scary I was looking through a photo album with my mom several years ago now she was probably in her early 60s I guess when we were doing this and she saw a picture of herself when she was like 41 we were in Hawaii and she looked at this picture she's like oh my god look how young I was oh look how young I was and she was 41 in this picture and I'm like she thinks 41 is young. <laughs> that was my thought at the time. And now you're like, and I'm like, yes, it is. 41 is young. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> yes, it is. I know. I know. Maybe that's just not an uh, Italian or American difference. We just label ourselves differently over here. Yeah, I don't know. I do know that in Italy, like people do not like to grow up. Like, I don't think of all. anywhere people like to grow up. I mean, who wants no, to? Who wants no, no, to... no, no, no. Here it's worth. People don't want to move out. People do not want to move out of their home, their their parents' well, house. Well, that I don't here. understand. That to me is the first step in growing up is moving out of your family home. Right. I love that question of 
when did you first consider yourself an adult? Mm-hmm. Because people have such wildly different answers. And I don't know if we've talked about this or not. I think we have. I remember somebody buying new rain gutters for like five, fifteen thousand. It was a lot of money. I can't remember how much. Yeah, or that uh, another friend of mine said that you can't be an adult if you don't have children. Which I don't agree with. Which is impossible. <laughs> you know, stupid. because That's stupid. Because so many people never have kids. Yeah, so if I never have kids, then I can be like, great, I'm 75. <laughs> I'm still a kid. <laughs> Woo! But I do love that question of when do you first feel like you're grown up? Because it can be such a hard thing to answer, and it can be so varied based on whatever your life experience is. And your mental maturity and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I consider myself an adult, but I don't consider myself an old person yet. Which well, you're is what not I... old yet. Hello. No. But I know, which is what I think I thought when I was a kid, 40 would be. I would be such an adult. I'd have it all together. I'd know what I'm doing with my life. I would have discovered myself artistically on a clear path toward an amazing future or something like that. No, not necessarily. Maybe for some people. That's not how life works, is it? Anyway, and uh, is there anything else about politics? When is, when is your driving test? Oh, not for a while. I need to study a lot. A lot of stuff to learn. So it's going to be a few, a few months from now. Well, and it's been a long time since you drove, so you'll probably have to relearn how to parallel park. Oh, absolutely. But I have to learn how to drive stick shift. I never learned how to do that. You have to drive stick shift in the test. Why? Because here almost all the cars are stick shift. There's very, very few automatic cars here yeah i know that i wonder why though i don't know why it's just how it is you know i gotta say i drive a stick shift car and it's great yeah yeah it's so much better than driving an automatic so maybe you'll love it maybe i don't know i feel like it's a little bit it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks though i didn't learn until after i was an expat really yeah when i lived in italy and derek and i used to go on those car adventures up to northern italy he had to drive the whole time because I didn't know how to drive a stick shift car. I thought you knew how. Nope. And then when I got back, when we moved back and we decided to do that Mooch Across America tour instead of coming right home, we picked up his father's old car to take a cross-country trip across the United States. And that car was a stick shift. And so you had to learn. Yeah, because Derek said, there's no way I am driving <laughs> for the next seven weeks. You are going to learn how to drive this car. And so we spent the first week taking it to parking lots and driving around. And I can remember being on this, it couldn't even be called an incline. If you were walking on the sidewalk, you wouldn't even think of it as a slope, really. But it was just <laughs> enough of a slope. And it was at a stop sign. And there was a car behind me. And I kept stalling the car over and over and over again. And I was so freaked out that my foot started shaking so much. I, I can't do it. I can't. You, you have to take over. And he's like, just calm down. You can do this. It's not that big of an incline. No, I can't. Look at my foot. I can't do it. So this poor car behind us, who's probably thinking, why in the world is she not pulling out? Also had to witness me jumping out of the driver's seat, throwing up my hands, <laughs> walking around the car with Derek disgruntled, walking into the driver's seat and being like, oh, for goodness sake, and taking over. And I think back on that now as I'm stopped on some of these incredibly steep hills in Seattle. And I think, but how embarrassing. But that's just the way it is when you're learning. It's a hard thing to, to no, figure but out. That's a very inspiring story for me because that's how I feel. And I feel like I'm so bad at it. I've tried so many times to learn. I just can't seem to do it. How in the world am I ever, you know, at 38, am I ever going to learn? 
because I didn't learn when I was 16, it's too late now. So the fact that you are able to do it gives me hope for myself. And this from the woman who feels like she can learn a new language at any point in her life. <laughs> Think of it as a new language, Tiffany. Okay, I'll try. I'll try. It's a muscle memory thing. Once your muscle figures out how to do it, you'll be able to do it. Okay, if you say so. Yeah. Should we leave it there? That was such Let's a positive do. note to end a politics show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Well, until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. Is there anything we should say? You should say something about our Twitter and Facebook because I've been told I'm not talking about it enough by people who know. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. I, we're not tweeting right now, but I'm going to try to start tweeting again. I am. I, I have been. You are tweeting. I'm being, I've been really bad. I'm supposed to be the social media manager, and I'm shirking my duties. So Fired. I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to get back to it. Uh, <laughs> it's um, at bittersweetpod. If you're on Twitter, come and find us. If you're on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash bittersweetlifepodcast. And of course, you can always email us, bittersweetlife at mail.com. So whatever you want to do, reach out and touch someone. And that someone can be us through any <laughs> three of those methods right there. All right. And uh, yeah, that's enough self-promotion. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Talk to you next week. Bye. Visit the donate page on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. All donations are reserved exclusively for the creation of audio content. Your financial support keeps us strong. Thank you.